uh, I believe we can uh, get you out uh, about uh, to your normal schedule if we jump right into it tonight. Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4, and uh, we're going to start in verse number 1 and read down about uh, 7 or 8 verses. And uh, since we're going to read a little extra tonight, I'm going to go ahead and encourage you, just remain seated uh, and pay close attention as we're going to read this together. Philippians chapter number 4, and I tell you what, for the sake of time, let's go ahead and just pick up in verse number 6. And, uh, and then I'll give you the backstory of verse 1 through 5 before we begin the message. Philippians chapter number 4, and this is probably a verse that you've given much thought to or you've seen posted or quoted uh, during this time uh, of quarantine, and I believe it would be a blessing to us. Look down, if you would, Philippians 4, 6. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all, passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for its power and, Lord, how it can encourage and lift our hearts. And I pray we would allow it to do that tonight during our time of Bible study here on Wednesday night. Bless the many needs that we have on our hearts, many that are on our prayer list. Be with Brother Green especially tonight. And I just pray that you would take your quick and living word and, Lord, allow it to do the work in our hearts that, Lord, you have sent it to, that your will be done in this service tonight, not only in this building, but all over where those may be tuning in. And I thank you for what you're going to do, and I trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. When we look in Philippians chapter number four, there are some things I believe that will help us during this time of uh, transition between uh, a normal life and a life that is pretty much right now being lived entirely outside the box. And I believe as we go through this time, there are some specific temptations that we need to be aware of that we might be more susceptible to because of our circumstances. Now, tonight when we talk about temptation, I'm sure there are some that readily come to mind as temptations that really accompany our normal life. I think we're probably all tempted to covet from time to time. I think we are all, we think about temptation, one of the first things that come to our mind is we are tempted to lust, and lust is not necessarily just a physical thing. Uh, you can lust for things, and uh, you can lust after thoughts, uh, but there's one particular area tonight of temptation that I think we are susceptible to during this time of turmoil and during this time of adversity. I believe we look in our Bibles and Proverbs chapter 30, we won't turn there. Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 8 and 9. The Bible says, remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. But watch closely in the next verse. I believe it will show us how our circumstances will affect our temptations. The Bible says, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? So notice that when we are full and we have plenty, the temptation there is to deny the Lord and say, who is the Lord? 
It says, or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Now, those verses are illustrating to us that our circumstances can greatly influence the temptations that we face. Now, during a time where we are going about as business as usual, well, some of the same circumstances and temptations will come to us on a day-to-day basis. But I think we would all agree tonight, we are not living in a business-as-usual uh, footing. We don't have that at our, at our disposal at the moment. And therefore, our temptations may be a little bit out of the norm. And if you're not careful, during this time, you'll be susceptible to some temptations that maybe you don't normally have a problem with. And the specific one that we're going to look at tonight is the temptation to worry Now, a lot of times we don't think of worry necessarily as being a temptation. I don't consider myself a worrier. I'm I'm, I'm pretty much carefree in most of my life. Uh, But during this time, I have found myself more tempted to worry and to be worrisome than maybe I normally am. And I am personally, as I'm sure you are, and sure a lot of our parents and even our kids are being susceptible to this temptation of worry. Matter of fact, I was talking to Brother John today, and he said he was in Walmart, and he asked uh, one of the ladies at the checkout, how are you doing? And she said, I'm scared. Uh, He said that's the first time he's spoken with someone uh, during this time, and they told him that I'm scared, or they are worrying, and our circumstances are creating that temptation to be worrisome. Worry is indeed a natural temptation. But it is something for the Christian that we've got to learn to deal with. And I go to a very good quote by Vance Havener. He says, worry is a lot like a rocking chair. He says, it'll give you something to do, but it won't take you anywhere or you won't get very far in it. And I want to encourage you tonight to be careful of this temptation of worrying. And the good news is the Word of God has the answer on how we can deal with this matter of worry. 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible tells us that there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So understand tonight, God knows our temptations, and he says that we're not going to face any temptation that's not common to man. But here's the good news. The Bible says, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So notice what God calls the temptations that we're going to face. He calls them common. This is a common temptation that we're all going to have based on our circumstances. You're not tempted to worry as much, maybe when you have a lot of money. You're not tempted to worry as much when there's not a virus going around our world, but we are tempted at that right now. The Bible tells us there is a way of escape that God provides through his word that we could bear it. So tonight, we're going to get a very simple thought of God's remedy for worry. God's remedy for worry, and I believe Philippians chapter number four will help us in this area not to fall prey to a very common temptation during a time of adversity. So let's look at Philippians chapter four together, and uh, I believe these will be short, sweet, uh, and to the point points that will help us digest them and hold to them as we go through this time of adversity. So look at chapter number one, and here's I mean chapter number four. And look at verse 1. And the reason I want to take you back is I want you to hear the heart of God through this. In chapter 4, in verse number 1, the Bible says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved. Now notice the heart of God here. Dearly beloved. It says here, And longed for my joy and crown. 
So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. So we know the heart of God here, the message is for those that he loves and that are longed for. Verse 2, the Bible, or verse 2 and verse 3, notice the words, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. So notice the, notice the terminology we're seeing here and notice the heart here. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation or your attitude or your mindset be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now look at verse six. The Bible says be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Now, careful doesn't mean cautious. It means do not be consumed with worry. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, notice closely the Bible says be careful for nothing or be not full of care over anything. The Bible's telling us that. We have no excuse to worry, and he tells us what to do with the worry once it comes our way. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, notice these next two words, by prayer. Now, last Wednesday night, we covered prayer, kind of an overview of things that we need to do during this time, but uh, tonight, we need to look a little bit deeper into this matter of prayer and see how prayer and worry have a relationship. So, number one tonight, God's remedy for worry begins with a connected heart. Number one, God's remedy for worry begins with a connected heart. So how do we see the connection between prayer and worry? Well, I'll show you. They are in stark contrast one to another. Think about it this way. Worry is a very natural reaction. Prayer is a spiritual reaction. Think about what worry is. Worry is how oftentimes we, as God's people, approach difficulty that comes our way. That's how we approach difficulty. We worry about it. But understand that prayer is how God wants us to approach difficulty. Worry is the best that we can do. Think about it. Right now, we're worrying about this virus, but we really have no power over this virus. But prayer opens up the best of what God can do. And so we're seeing tonight of why Paul says, look, be careful in nothing. Let's not worry. Instead, Paul says, let's have a connected heart to God. And the way that we connect our hearts to God is through prayer. This is God's desired response of his people to difficulty by going to him in prayer. And prayer is how we connect our needs to God's power. I want you to think about this tonight. Psalm 61.2, I, I quoted it for you, I think it was last Wednesday night, where David says, from the end of the earth I will cry unto thee. David says, from the end of the earth, I'm going to cry unto God. David says, I'm praying to God. I'm getting the attention of God. When? He says, when my heart is overwhelmed. It was the needs in the life of David, the adversity that David was facing that made him want to connect his heart and the struggles of his heart to the power of God. Now think about it, I'm sure all of you tonight are probably in a room somewhere where you can look around and see something that has a power cord on it. Maybe you're watching on, a, on your television, a smart TV, or, or maybe you're sitting there and you can see a lamp plugged in next to you, uh, uh, or maybe you can look around and see something in your kitchen plugged in. Maybe you're sitting at your kitchen table and you can see a blender. And you think about those things work well when they have power. 
but they do not work very well, and they don't accomplish a whole lot when they are not plugged in. Now, think about it. You could have the best power saw in the world, or you ladies could have the best blender in the world. I bought my wife an aqua blue blender for Christmas. That's what she wanted, and I drove all the way to Iberville to get it because that was the only place that had one, and you could have the most fancy tools, and you could have the most capable utensils, But if they're not plugged into a power source, they are useless. You're not going to get anything out of them unless they're plugged in. Now, here's what worry does. Worry is us standing there with the capability, but we're not plugged into the power of God. And through power, we plug into the power that can meet the need of what we are tempted to worry about. This is why Paul says, be careful in nothing. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. What the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us is, look, instead of worrying about it, you're, look, can I tell you, there's a reason to worry if I have to solve my own problems. There's a reason to worry if I have to come up with a response to the coronavirus. There's a reason to worry if I have to fix this economy, but I don't. The Almighty, the power of God has the answers to all of what we're tempted to worry in, but we've got to connect our hearts to God's power, and we do that through prayer. Psalms 119, the Bible tells us in verse 145, David says, I cried unto thee with my whole heart, with my whole heart. David, as we know throughout his life, David was on the run. David was in turmoil. David was kind of like the Old Testament Paul running from Saul all the time. Paul was always on the run, and David had so many things to worry about. But what did he say in Psalms 119? He says, I cried unto thee with my whole heart. Crying unto God is when David says, I'm plugging into God. I've got Saul trying to kill me. I've got wars on this side and wars on that side. But David says, I'm crying unto God. I'm connecting my heart that quivers at adversity. My heart shakes a little bit. We watch the stock market and our heart goes up and down with the stock market as it rises and falls. Paul says we shouldn't worry. We should be careful in nothing. But in everything, by prayer, we are connecting our needs to the heart of God. But here's what I want to get to tonight. I hear people a lot say, well, I've been praying. I've been praying. Well, I'm praying that God will end this thing. And I've been praying, pray in the morning, pray in the evening, pray in the noontime. We're just praying and asking God to do something miraculous in our country to end this virus and to spare life and to give health to his people. But can I ask you this? You may be praying, but my question is, are you connected? Now, notice closely the point that I gave you was a connected heart. Paul says, he says, look, I don't want you to worry about anything. There's no power in worry. It's like a utensil that is not plugged in. It's useless. Worry is powerless and it's useless. He says, but in everything by prayer. Paul says you need to be connected. Prayer is what connects us with God. Prayer is what connects our heart to God's power to meet our needs. And so you can pray. It doesn't necessarily mean tonight that you've been connected. So what do you mean by that? Well, let me give you an example. The Bible tells us a word that uh, gives us scripture that we've quoted many times, but it's very important in times like these to understand. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, the Bible says in verse, chapter 66, verse number 8, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
I've told you many times the word here is a judicial term. It's like a judge hearing a case and you come before a judge and you're petitioning that judge to act on your behalf or to act on your need. The Bible says in Psalm 60, or Proverbs 66, or Psalms, there's no 66 in Proverbs, is there? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So watch this. Our iniquity, our iniquity is what separates us or disconnects us from God. Our iniquity and our sin, when we're not right with God, we have in essence cut the phone lines. I think all of us have seen a Western before where they climb up the pole and they cut the telegraph poles. What are they doing? They're cutting the city off from being able to cry out for help to someone who could come in and give them the relief that they need. Now, folks, when we sin against God and regard iniquity in our heart, we have, in essence, cut the telegraph wires to Almighty God. And in essence, we are on our own. We have no help coming. We are only capable of doing what we are capable of doing. And I want you to know, that's a reason to worry. But my goodness, when our connection with God is as it should be, and as Thessalonians tells us, we have maintained that constant contact by praying without ceasing, then the power of Almighty God stands at the ready to extinguish any worry that we are tempted to pursue. Over on Elks Lake Road, uh, where I live, usually if I leave the office, I'm on the phone with my wife, maybe my mom or my dad, and just uh, touching base with them. And today I left, I uh, headed home for a moment at lunchtime, and uh, I was talking to my dad. And my dad calls to get the updates of how things are going and uh, how our church is doing. And there's a, there's a twilight zone area on Elks Lake Road. Brother Michael, you may know it well. It's right there around the bridge. And if you're on the phone and you're going through there, right there around that little bridge on Elks Lake Road, there's a twilight zone area where all communication is cut off. I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm not going to say one of our staff members lives closely by there, but I don't know what it is, but there's a force field in that area where your phone dies. It disconnects. You're going through there, and you're talking to somebody and giving them this long, detailed ex- explanation of something going on, and you lose the call. What happens? We get disconnected something. I don't know what it is. Maybe the Bermuda Triangle is, you know, some, I don't know. But for some reason, it cuts off communication. And they can't hear what I have to say, and they can't tell me what I need to know from them. Now, this is what the Bible tells us sin does. Sin cuts off our communication with God. So let me ask you again. We may have been praying that God uh, would help us and God would heal our country and that God would end this virus and its reach upon our church. But can I ask you, are you connected? Because when we regard iniquity in our heart, we have unconfessed sin. We have broken off that line of communication with God. We are on our own, and that's a good reason to worry. You know, if we're not right with God and the tornado passes in our area, we have a reason to be worried. You know, when we're going down the road and uh, we're not right with God and you see a car swerving in the area, you have a reason to worry. Why? Because you're not right with God. I mean, you can't get a hold of the one who has the answer because when we regard iniquity in our heart, the Bible says the Lord will not hear us. So during this time, let me tell you, God's remedy to worry, the first thing is a connected heart. We're not just uttering prayers like the Pharisees did. We're just praying from our mouth. No, we pray from our heart, but our heart has got to be right with God. Many years ago, I thought about this this afternoon. We were in Louisiana, our church there, 
And uh, we had something going on, and we had folks that were so faithful about cleaning the church, but we had something going on with the kids, and the kids kind of got things dirty in the sanctuary. So my wife and I decided we were going to clean it up and save them the trouble. And uh, so we got the vacuum out. It's not something I do every day, so it's still fun, you know, to vacuum. And so I plugged the vacuum in down here and began going up the aisle, vacuuming, back and forth, back and forth. And after a while, I got so far down the, uh, down the side aisle of the church that the cord reached its limit, and as I went one more pass to get something on the floor, it unplugged the cord. Now, that was a nice vacuum. We bought it for our church. Man, it would swivel this way and swivel that way. It'd come up and down, and it had the handles. And it, I mean, it was a fine uh, vacuum cleaner. But here's what happened. I got so far away from the power source that it was useless. And that's what happens when we get away from God. God is our power source. God is our strength. God is our peace. God gives us what we need no matter the circumstance. He does not want us to worry. But if you have drifted away from the power source, well, then maybe that's why you're worrying tonight because you're not connected to God in prayer. It's hard to look to God, I believe this tonight, when you're not right with him. It's hard to look to God when you're not right with him. Every once in a while, I will make my wife mad. Uh, yesterday, matter of fact, it was the last time that I did that, and I was the one that was wrong, and I apologized uh, for that. Uh, you know, a lot of stress going around right now. And every once in a while, my wife and I's relationship will not be what it should be or could be. And during those times, I've told you before, I am one of those who gets quiet we found in every marriage, you have the one who wants to talk out the problem, and you have the one who wants to be quiet. I'm sure somewhere all over the live stream world that's watching right now, husbands and wives are pointing to each other, because it's happening right here in this building. I'm not going to look at people, but it's happening right here in the building with the limited congregation that we have. Well, I'm the one who likes to get quiet, and I can lock it up with the best of them, and I can only get by on minimal conversations for the rest of the day, and if it's bad enough of, of, of an offense, the rest of the week. I just cut off communication. I don't, even, I don't even have to look at my wife. Why? Because I know things are not right between us. It's hard for me to look her in the eye when I'm not right with her, and our relationship's not what it is. And I believe right now, during this time of adversity, if there was ever a time we need to be plugged into the power of God, it's now. But it's hard to trust, and it's hard to look to a God that we know we're not right with. So number one tonight. Number one, how do we remedy worry? Well, it begins with a connected heart. Look down real quick at verse 7. You'll see the remedy to the, or you'll see the response to what happens when we pray the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice the peace came after the prayer. But verse number 8 holds the second thing, and I'll hurry. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise. Now watch this next part. The Bible says, think on these things. Think on these things. We see the results of being connected to God and connecting our heart to God's power. Peace results from that. But then Paul tells the church at Philippi in verse number 8, there's something else I want you to do, and there's some specific things that I want you to think on. Number two, how does God want us to remedy worry tonight? Well, number two is a clear head. 
God wants us to have a clear head. Notice he says the last part of verse number eight, think on these things. For those of you who have children at home during this time, that maybe your children are not home as much during this time, you have found that one of the greatest uh, challenges to this quarantine is occupying yourself and occupying their self. Several years ago, I was on a flight from Detroit, Michigan to Amsterdam. And it was the first long international flight I'd ever taken. And I believe it was going to be about 11, 12-hour flight. And uh, I was so excited because we had nice, cushy seats that were going to serve us food. And uh, the, uh, the movie and entertainment selection was huge. I think, well, this is great. I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to watch some old westerns. And I'm going to watch some of this and some of that. And about an hour and a half into the flight, I was bored. Now, on an 11, 12-hour flight, that's pretty rough to get bored around the first hour and a half. And so the rest of the flight, I had to find things to do. Half the movies were not worth watching. The food really was not that worth eating, to be totally honest with you. So I got up and started walking laps around the plane, trying to make friends. But people just don't want to make friends on a plane these days with all the terrorism and all that. So I was left to come back to my seat and occupy myself. I'm going to tell you, you just sit there and occupying yourself, man, that just takes a while for nine, ten hours to have to do that, it, especially with my mind. It took me for a while. But here's what I want you to think about tonight. During this time of isolation and quarantine, one of the greatest battlefields is going to be that of the mind, is occupying your mind. So what did Paul say in verse 6? Verse 6, he says, do not worry. Be careful for nothing. And how did he tell them to combat their worry? Well, he says, verse number 6, by prayer. By prayer, have a connected heart to God. Connect that needy heart of yours to God's power. But then he says in verse number 8, here's something else you need to do. You need to have a clear head. Make sure that your thoughts are those that would be pleasing to God because if you're not careful, you may find yourself dwelling upon things in your mind and in your heart that God did not even intend for you to dwell on or to think on in the first place. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, turn there with me real quick. I believe we have enough time to fit the last two in and look up a verse together. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, and I want you to look down in verse number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 3. Usually I wait till the noise of the uh, paper quits rattling, but I'm not hearing that. And so you're just going to have to turn there fast or catch up when I start reading, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 3. The Bible says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. My goodness, we got serious quick when the Bible is speaking of a war. Now watch close what the Bible says about this war. We're not talking about guns and swords. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now watch what these weapons are to be used for. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every what, say it out loud, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now notice the Bible's talking about this war that's going on and talking about our warfare and talking about weapons of our warfare. But notice where the war is at. The Bible says in verse 5, casting down imaginations, 
and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Can I tell you something? Worry often comes from the battlefield of the mind because we are allowing thoughts to enter our heart and mind and we're allowing thoughts to remain in our heart and to remain in our mind that God never intended for us to dwell upon. That's what the Bible says to cast our cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. Our shoulders are not strong enough to carry a lot of the things that we are worrying about. What can you do about the coronavirus? The best doctors, the best nurses, I mean, all of these folks, the best uh, pharmaceutical companies from around the country and from around the world are working overtime, day and night, 24-7, to try to find an answer to this thing, and they've yet to be able to come up with, so why do we think that by us dwelling on it and thinking on it that we're going to help the situation anymore? We're not. So notice what the Bible tells us in verse number 8. He tells us exactly how he wants us to think. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, here's what he's doing. He's giving us a criteria for how we should think. By the way, God has every right to tell us how to think. Number one, because he loves us and doesn't want us to carry thoughts and to carry around burdens that we were never intended to carry. But number two, the Bible says, no, you're not. We're bought with a price. God even has the authority over our thoughts. So verse number eight, he can tell us exactly how he wants us to think. But verse eight is for our own good. If you don't want to worry, as he mentions in verse six, you're going to have to make sure that the things that we choose to dwell on in our mind during this time of adversity fit the criteria in verse number eight. He says, whatsoever things are true, thoughts pop into our heart and we're tempted to worry. All right? Let's ask ourselves, is the things that I am about to think on and dwell on, these thoughts, are they true? Whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. What is God doing? God is giving us the remedy for worry. And he's telling us, these are the things I want you to dwell on. These are the criteria for the thoughts that you should chew on. Because if we don't, If we think on things that are outside of this structure, you're going to be tempted to worry. And if you're like me, you will fall victim to worry. Remember this verse, jot it down, Isaiah 26.3. The Bible tells us that he will keep us in what? Perfect peace. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. What does God say? He says, I will keep you in perfect peace. I will keep you, but you have to make the decision that your mind is going to be stayed upon him and the things that God told us that we are capable of dwelling upon. And that's the things in verse number eight. The Bible goes on to tell us in verse number three of Isaiah 26, because he trusteth in me. Say, God, I can't handle these. I, don't, I can't do anything about, Lord, the coronavirus. And God, I can't do anything about the economy. So I'm going to take those temp- worrying thoughts that I'm tempted to think, and I'm going to cast those cares upon you, and I'm going to trust you for them. And that's how he keeps us in perfect peace. I remember my daughter was small, 
and uh, hard to believe. She'll be 13 Saturday, 13 years old, and hard to believe that uh, it's gone by so fast. But I remember when she was just a little baby and how I would hold her, and uh, she would start pouting or crying or something, and I would try to rock her, and she would take her little hand, and she would reach up, and she would grab my thumb. She would start to whimper, start to worry. I'd hear her there in her, her changing table. She'd be asleep down in there or her bassinet. And I'd go and I'd pick her up. She would be whimpering and hold her in my arm. And she'd reach out and she would grab my thumb and squeeze my thumb. And then she'd go right back to sleep. I don't know what she was dreaming about. don't know what she was worrying about. I'm sure it was something, something grand in that great imagination that she had as a, as a little one. But as soon as dad picked her up, And as soon as she grabbed hold and began to squeeze dad's hand, boy, it made me feel like Superman. All of a sudden, she went back to sleep and she rested. Why? Because she knew her dad had her. And she knew that she had a hold of somebody who could handle whatever it is she was worrying about at the moment. And folks, that's how we should be as the children of God during this time of crisis. That's how we should be as the children of God during this time of adversity. We are at peace. Why? Because we are trusting in him. If you're not careful, you'll be dwelling on something that doesn't meet God's criteria for the thoughts that we should be thinking. So here's what you should do. You should allow verse number eight to be your criteria for your thoughts, almost as someone who sorts the mail. Uh, A couple of things I'm very thankful for. One, Mrs. Pam, she sorts the mail here at the office, and she puts things in my box that I need to know. And I'm thankful she sorts out a lot of the junk mail and gets it in the garden. My wife does the same thing at home. I'll come home from work and I'll say, do we have any mail today? And uh, she'll say, yep, there's yours right there. And I'll go over there. There'll be an envelope for me from somebody. I said, is this all that came in? She says, no, but that's the only thing that was was yours. You know, she keeps all the paychecks and she keeps all of the publisher's clearinghouse money that comes in the mail that we win and all of that. But here's what she she does. They sort the mail for me. They go through all that comes into my inbox and they take it and they sort out the sale papers. I don't need the sale papers. They sort out the uh, Miss Box mail that's for Miss Evelyn half the time. A lot of it's for her. And they sort out all of this mail that I do not need. And the only thing they put in my box is what I need. And I open up what I need and I'll read the letter. I'll take whatever's out of there. But it's good to have somebody who sorts the mail for you. Now, God wants us to allow, listen, the word of God to be our mail sorter. The devil right now is stuffing your mailbox. He's stuffing your inbox with all kinds of cares and all kinds of burdens and all kinds of things that want to weigh you down. You ought to allow the word of God to sort your mail. And when you allow verse number eight to be the criteria for things you dwell on in your mind, I assure you, you will find the temptation to worry will go way down. Sometimes we like to think that we're 10 feet tall and bulletproof and we want to dwell on it a while and then after a while we are tempted and we ultimately succumb to worry. Paul is saying in verse number eight, here's a criteria. Ask yourself, is it true? Ask yourself, is it honest? Is it virtue? Is it praise? Romans chapter 12 and verse number two, the Bible tells us not to be conformed to the world. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. What's the world doing right now? What's the world doing? The world's panicked. The world's scared. 
You know, folks are going to the grocery store with, with gloves on, and if you do that, I'm not talking about you, okay? Uh, folks are driving. I, I saw some folks at the red light today, and they're driving with masks. Folks are holed up in their house. Folks are buying guns and ammo, and that's what the world's doing right now. They're panicked. They're scared. They're worrying. But Romans 12, 2, the Bible says for us not to be conformed to the world. Hey, we're, not, we're not to be like them. There's supposed to be a difference between us and them. The Bible says we're to be transformed. We're supposed to be different. Our reaction to adversity should be different than their reaction. So how do we be not conformed and yet be transformed? Well, funny you should ask. Romans 12, 2, the Bible says, by the renewing of your mind. The Bible says that the way that we're different from them, that we're not conformed to the things and the ways of them, and not just the way that they act, but the ways that they think, we're not conformed to them. We are transformed, and we're different. How? Well, the Bible says by the renewing of our mind. You see, it goes back to our thoughts. We've got to change the way that we think. And Paul said, be not anxious, be not careful for anything. But in everything by prayer, and in verse number eight, he says, think on these things. How does God want us to remedy worry? Well, number one, he tells us to have a connected heart. Number two, he shows us to have a clear head. I assure you, if you give the devil room to operate in your mind, he will take it. So the Bible tells us neither give place to the devil. You know, that also means in our heart and our mind, don't give the devil that place to put something that doesn't fit the criteria in verse number eight, or you're going to be tempted to worry. And finally, verse number nine, the Bible says those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, and what's that little two-letter word right behind the comma, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So what did he say in verse six? Verse six, he says, be careful for nothing. I don't want you to worry. Don't worry. How do we not worry? Well, we have a connected heart, and we do that through prayer. He says, I don't want you to worry, so I want you to think on these things. If they don't meet the criteria of verse number eight, think on these things. But then he said, verse nine, the things which you have learned, received, heard, and seen in me. He says, I want you to do them. So number three, God's remedy for worry is constructive hands. God wants us to have constructive hands. Hands. Well, what does that mean? Well, I was talking to a pastor just the other day, and I told him, actually, I've said this to several pastors. Probably the greatest burden through this for me as a pastor has been balancing, responding to what we do know, and preparing for what we don't know. Because we, we can't be as the ostrich, right, and keep our head in the sand. We've got to respond to the things that we do know, but also prepare for the things that we don't know. And oftentimes, worry begins to develop when that gets out of balance to where we are worrying more about the things than we don't know and not really doing the things that we do know. Now, can I tell you something? We are human. We all live in a flesh body, and the temptation is for us to try to figure out what's next and what are we going to do tomorrow and what are going to do the next day. And you see that temptation played out ever so clearly in Matthew chapter 6. When Christ calls his newly minted disciples and he tells them, I want to make you fishers of men, he begins telling them what he wants them to do and who they are, giving them their identity. In Matthew chapter 6, he tells them to take no thought of what you will wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep. He tells them, I don't want you to take any thought for those things. 
But what did he say in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33, the verse we know well? He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, he's telling them, look, do not dwell on the things you don't know. Don't spend all of your time preparing and trying to remedy things that you don't know right now. He says, I want you to focus on the one thing that you do know that you're supposed to be doing, and that is seeking first the kingdom of God. Can I tell you something? In this time of adversity, you're going to be tempted to worry more about the things that you don't understand, and that you cannot answer, and that you cannot do anything about, and in the time that you're worrying about those things, you will be neglecting the things that you already know to do. That's why he said in verse 9, he says, the things which you have both learned, the things that you have received, the things that you have heard, the things that which you have seen, he said, I want you to do those things. Can I tell you, if I preoccupied myself with trying to do the things that I've learned, to do the things I've received, to do the things I've heard, to do the things I've seen, I would not have any time to worry Think about this. Let's fill up our schedule, okay? Here's how God wants us to order our schedule during this time of this gap, as we are calling it. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time thinking on these things. And spend the rest of your time doing the things that you know to do. And all of a sudden, here comes the devil. And the devil says, all right, I've got something that I want you to do. I want you to worry. And you tell the devil, and you don't even have to be polite to the devil, but you say, I can't. I don't have any room in my schedule. I'm busy. Watch, I'm having a connected heart with God. You know, there is no conference call with with God and with the flesh at the same time. No, you have to turn off one to connect to the other. So say, God, devil, I can't. I'm sorry. I don't have time to worry. I'm I'm busy staying connected with God in prayer. I'm too busy right now. Look at my schedule. And right now, I'm focused on Philippians 4.8, thinking on these things. And the rest of my time is going to be devoted to doing the things that I've learned, received, heard, and seen. Constructive hands. A connected heart. Keeping our heart connected to God in prayer. And then we're going to have a clean, uh, a clean mind. And then verse number 9, we're going to have constructive hands. We're going to stay busy doing the things we know to do. The last place I want you to turn with me is in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, we have the familiar parable of the talents. Matthew 25, verse number 14, the Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. We know the story. He gave one five, and he gave one two, and he gave one one. The Bible goes on to tell us that the, uh, the man came back And his Lord, the Bible says, for the one who had five and the one who had two, he told them, well done. I think we would all be honest tonight. We all look forward and pray and are working to hear that. One day we're going to hear well done from God. But I assure you, you will not hear well done if worrying occupies your time. And the servant with the one talent illustrates that for us. Look at verse 24. The Bible says, then he which had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strewed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. Here's what he said. 
He says, you know, I, I knew how you work and how you operate, and I got to thinking about it, and, you know, you're, you're going to demand more and all of this, and so here's what I did. I just took it and I buried it in the ground. Can I tell you what he did? He worried about it. He thought more about what was going to happen and what he was going to do than just doing what his master told him to do. He worried more than he worked. In verse number 26, we see the outcome of that. The Bible says, His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, watch these next words thou knewest, that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strode. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. The key word I want you to zoom in real quick before we close is when the Bible says in verse number 26, thou knewest. He knew. He neglected what he knew to do because he was too busy and he was too preoccupied with worrying about what he didn't know. And he spent all of the time he had, he focused in on worrying about what I'm going to do and what am I going to say. And I think the best thing to do is buried in the earth. And he spent all of his time worrying instead of working. And his master said, thou knewest. Can I tell you one of the ways that God would have you to remedy worry? Let's take this time. You may have spare time. Some of you may be working overtime. I don't know. But let's take this time, this extra time that we have. And let's focus on doing some of the things that we know. We're always talking about, if I had more time, if I had more time to read my Bible, I'd read it through in a year. I think you could read the Bible through in 72 hours. You ought to focus on doing that during this time. Not straight, but 72 hours. I'm going to devote an hour a day to reading the Bible. We always say, if I had more time, I would would spend more time in prayer. We've got time. But if you're not careful, the devil will substitute that time by occupying that time and occupying your thoughts on worry instead of occupying it and doing the things that you already know to do. The question should not be tonight, what am I going to do? The question should be, what should I be doing? We know. Been coming to this great church for a while, many of you, years and decades. We know what we should be doing. We know we should be praying. We know we should be spending time in the Word. We know we should be spending time with our families in the Word of God. We know those things that we should be doing. If you're not careful, you'll get preoccupied with what you don't know, and you'll focus on that, and you'll begin to worry. And all the while you're worrying, you're neglecting the work of which God has already told us that we know we should be doing. So what is the Bible telling us? Well, Verse 6, he says, be careful for nothing. God does not want his children to worry. My daughter, she has a bedroom right across the hall. If I hear her in the middle of the night, say, Dad, I'm popping up. I'm running into her bedroom, making sure everything's all right. And I go in there, and I say, no, that was just the thunder, or that was just a picture Dad did not hang the right way on the wall, and it fell off, something like that. I don't want her to worry. Now, can you imagine as me as an earthly dad not wanting my daughter to worry how much more a holy, heavenly father does not want his children to worry? He doesn't want us to be careless, but he doesn't want us to worry. And he said, here's the prescription. He said, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to have a connected heart, but by prayer. Second thing I want you to do is have a clean mind. The Bible says uh, in verse number eight, he says, think on these things. In verse number nine, he says, I just want you to do the things that you already know to do. Oftentimes with our kids at camp, we sing Joshua 1.8, and I've quoted Joshua 1.8. I've probably preached on it several times in the, just about the year that we've been here. But you go back and you think about Joshua 1.8, the Bible says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. 
But watch closely. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do. Notice, even in the Old Testament, the prescription was the same, that thou, may, that thou meditate day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Notice what he says. You've got a lot to work on, all right? You've got plenty to work with. You should not get spiritually bored during this time, that thou mayest to do, observe to do according to all that is written therein, all that you've seen, you've heard, and you've learned. He says, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. How do we be successful during this time where we're tempted to worry? Well, it's very, very simple. Number one, let's have a connected heart. Number two, let's have a clear head. And number three, let's have constructive hands. And if we will pray as God would have us to pray, if we will think as God would have us to think, and we will do as God would have us to do, you'll not have any room in your schedule to worry. Tonight, let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and let's spend some time in prayer for not only 